Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I've been looking forward to talking to this guest because, you know, I'll tell you one of the reasons why. A, because I get to talk about parts, which I very seldomly ever get to talk about the parts department. Man, do I love me some accessories in the parts department. But the other thing, too, is I feel super bad because I've rescheduled, I think, on this on this particular person like three times, which is not something I normally do. So, Kaylee, just so everybody knows out there, I'm apologizing right now in advance. <laughs> Thank you. I had to follow up a lot with you. <laughs> like, hey, for everyone out there watching and listening, I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Miss Kaylee Filio with me. Kaylee, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited because I actually get to talk about parts. Seriously, I'm just thinking about this. Uh, actually, just before we started recording, it's like f- about 470-some-odd podcasts I've done, right? And I'm trying to think how many of them have I actually got to talk about the parts department. I bet you it's probably as many as I can count on one hand. And that's super unfortunate because, you know, I love the parts and accessories side of the business. I mean, in fact, some of the some of my business my biggest success in the business was because of parts and accessories. I mean, I made more money sometimes on accessories than I ever did actually on the cars I sold, but hey, that's but we're going to get into this. But hey, before we get into our topic, so we got some cool topics to talk about today. You know, I love kicking off each one of these podcasts with a little origin story. A, because I'm always super fascinated. B, it also kind of creates a little context, which is always fun. So let's find out what is the origin story of how you got into this crazy little world we call the automotive industry. (laughs) It's a great story. So I was um, managing a Subway restaurant, and it was about 10 years ago. Now it feels like it was just yesterday. And the founders of Parts Edge were my regular customers. And they offered an opportunity and I took it. So I got to learn the operation side of what we do at Parts Edge. And um, I went off and did a few other things in between. Um, I got my real estate license, tried to do that for a little bit. Um, Also sold um, a product to titled escrow. So I was in the real estate industry, um, but I fell fell back into it with um, Parts Edge when their sales and marketing opened up um, because essentially that's really what I love to do. And I saw um, a unique opportunity to um, help brand and support Parts Edge in that way because um, not a lot of people have heard of Parts Edge and Mm -hmm. we've been around for I think it's over 20 years. So <laughs> it's just one of the best kept secrets out there, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I love it. Like. So, okay. So, so, um, do you still remember their orders, what their subs were? I mean, they were regular, <laughs> right? Were, were they like, were, yeah, I'm just actually, curious, were they like Italian? Were they like the BMT Italians? Were they tuna people? Like, what, what, what? So, what? I do remember Chuck because Chuck actually loved Subway. Cliff just went because he just wanted to hang out with his business partner. But um, yeah, I do actually. Chuck, he liked the tuna and he liked specific like shredded cheese on it. And like he was, he liked certain ones on certain days. And he always got it. I think he always got two cookies. I can't remember exactly. He always and got two cookies. <laughs> hey, you know what? That says a lot though. 10 years later, you can actually still remember that. That's actually really cool. Um, but, but you know what though? It's fun because like, like, I don't think anybody wakes up one morning and goes, hmm, I'm going to go be in the automotive industry because that sounds like fun. You know, a lot of us, we just kind of, you know, I find we either are born into the business, we either stumble into the business or, you know, you get sandwiched your way into the business. Uh, 
<laughs> or, or, or you like me, you got conned into the business. But it's usually one of those one of those three things. But that's it's you got cool. conned into the business. Oh, I totally did. Have I've mean, I never told? Okay, I'll tell you the story. No. Real quick. See, sometimes I go squirrel, but hey, it's my show. I get to do stuff like that's this. That's okay. Tell okay, me. so so I'm in the university. I'm going to school, you know, for marketing. And, you know, of course, my other love is cooking. We got a chance to kind of talk a little bit about that. I was taking some culinary arts classes and stuff. And a buddy of mine goes, hey, Jay, you, you like cars, right? He's like, yeah, sure, I like cars. He goes, well, you like selling stuff, don't you? I said, yeah, sure, I like selling stuff. Yeah, he goes, why don't you come sell cars with me? I'm like, all right, sure, whatever, you know. What else did I have to do, right? Well, little did I know that he got paid a $500 referral fee for every single person that he brought, he referred into the dealership that stayed longer than 90 days. <laughs> so I show up first day for training. By the way, this wasn't paid by the, no paid training at this point. I think it was an entire week that we just had to do training. We didn't even get paid for it. Right. And um, I show up, but I'll tell you half the dorm was there and I'm like, Hey, hey John, what, what's good. Wait a second. Why, why is Lily, Lily here? What's, what is this? You know, and it was like literally half the dorm was pretty much at this training session. And I'm like, wait, something's wrong here. I'm like, oh, sure enough, I figured it out. Um, so he, <laughs> he couldn't make money selling cars. What he could make money was is convincing people to come sell cars. So <laughs> the ironic thing is that at the end of the 90 days, I was still there. He wasn't. And I was at the top of the leaderboard. And I got my taste of the automotive business. And it's one of those things, once it gets in your skin, and it's like in, mm -hmm. under your skin and in your blood, you can't get it out. It doesn't come out. It doesn't yeah. wash out. There's nothing you can do. Anywho, let's I get into it. some of these topics um, because I, I'm excited about this, right? And um, I think the, the first topic is a cool one, right? Because it, new parts managers. You know, when I think of the first parts manager I had, boy, what a crusty bastard that guy was. Like, I'm serious. He was. Like, the guy was crusty. Like, I didn't even want to go back there and ask him a question because in between the carton of cigarettes that he smoked – you know, throughout the entire day, you know, I, he was, he was, he was amazing at, at answering people with no more than three words. That was it. You know, that was it. Like every response that came out of this guy, I swear was never more than three words. And there was nothing, there was no energy or excitement behind it. Right. But that's not what I picture today. A new parts manager is. And I, and, and I'd kind of like, let's start with that. I'm curious, Kaylee, how, how, what do you think kind of like the new age parts manager looks like? Because he's not the crusty old guy I remember. <laughs> no, no. They're, I mean, obviously they're, they're younger now. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, so new, new parts managers, it's, I think they're, parts managers are a special breed still even, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a certain mind um, to be able to do what they do and um, and manage the inventory effectively, but also be um, be a customer service. They have to provide customer service. They have to be a manager to people and train and support them. So they're they're doing so many different jobs in one, really. <laughs> so that's true. Now uh, I'm curious. Now, if you were to if someone was to come to you and say, "Hey, look, uh, Kaylee, I'm thinking about becoming a parts manager." <laughs> What would you, what advice would you give them? What, what would you say? Maybe like the top two or top three things you would say, Hey, look, you need to know this before you become a parts manager today. It's so funny that you uh, asked that. Cause I pushed my husband to be a parts yeah. manager. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so when we moved to Arizona, um, I, I obviously kept my job and he was open um, and 
there was a position opened in, at a dealership and it was a parts manager position. And I'm like, you would be perfect for that. <laughs> Cause I just <laughs> know his personality and I just know that he had the mind for it. But, um, what I would recommend is, um, you know, take it in. It's a lot of, I think it's a lot of information and oh, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, so training and, um, researching, trying to find someone to help, um, that you can, um, confine in and get support mm-hmm. to ask questions that understands the business. Um, and just like, don't expect that you're going to learn it all in, in a matter of months. I think it takes, um, good years to really learn it. Um, so yeah, I would just recommend, um, educating yourself and just Asking questions. I think, yeah, that's number one. Asking questions. Yes. Why is this a certain way? And then don't be afraid to try to change it. Um, even if it's a certain way and it's always been that way, if you're questioning it, there's probably a reason why you're questioning it. So. No, I think that's, I, you know, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I, a good parts manager does really need to be open-minded uh, to just to just kind of consuming everything, you know. It's like I actually spent some time as a parts manager. So, you know, when I first got into the business, I remember telling my GM that I wanted to have his job. And in fact, not only did I want to have his job, but eventually I wanted to own my own dealership, and he could come work for me. Now he got a giggle out of that. And during my <laughs> interview, it was a very interesting interview when I told him this. Um, but he's like, but he did tell me one thing. He goes, "You need to work." Every single, if you're going to do it, you need to work every single position in a dealership at some point in time during your career. So I actually did take a three month stint and said, I'm going to go park my ass in the, in the parts department. I'm going to be a parts manager. You know, I can still tell you, you know, a, a 2362 is the, is still the part number for, you know, for, for a, a Chevy Cobalt air filter. I still remember it, you know, um, you know, it, but there were things that I had to, there was one of the things I had to do. I had to be willing to really ask a lot of questions and, yeah. you know, and, and I had to really rely and collaborate with my service department for me to become, become a better parts manager. And I find this is where a lot of parts managers kind of maybe, maybe have a rough time. All right. Mm-hmm. Is, is they look at these departments as kind of two departments, but there's so much you can learn from those technicians and you got to go in there with a little bit of a humble pie all right, and really learn what you can from those technicians and be open to learning from them. That's one. I think the other thing too is I gotta be honest, you gotta be crazy organized. This was this yeah, is why I would this is why I was not a good parts manager. Being organized. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's where my husband's a good parts manager. You should see our garage. It's okay, like, see there you go. I was you like, know, that's how I know I'm married to a parts manager. <laughs> so organized. There we go. We figured out how to hire new parts managers right there. Me and Kaylee have figured out if you want to hire a parts manager during the interview process, ask them to take a picture of their garage and bring it in. Yes, that's perfect. There you go. That's it. Yeah. The, whole, the whole thing's done right there. But but no, there is some truth to that, though, because yeah, that was is. one of the reasons why I was a bad parts manager. I truly was. I got to be honest. I was uh, for one of the reasons I'm just not overly that organized. I am definitely one of those persons that will just kind of let, you know, like the return parts just kind of sit there and sit there. And just kind of grow and kind of grow. And I just like, it was, it was organized chaos in my head, but that hasn't actually worked for the rest of the rest of the world out there. No. <laughs> oh now, now, moving on from parts managers, um, I think there's been a substantial amount of impact on just the parts department over the last 24 months. And I think that's a rapid hole I'd like to kind of go down with you, but I'd love to get your thoughts of kind of how you feel like the last 24 months has really kind of impacted the parts, the parts business. And, um, you know, what can we do to, 
know, to keep the parts business moving forward. There's so much that has happened. Um, I feel like we've all advanced so much in such a short amount of time. Um, a lot of, a lot of talks about selling parts online, mm -hmm. um, yeah. as that's so important to get into, but you also need to remember that, um, it's just like starting like another business within your business. So making sure that your team can actually support that process before you jump in. Um, and then just making sure that your team again is there to support, um, the process is so important. So, and, um, it's just changed so much in the shortages and how much, uh, parts managers have to manage. They already had to manage a lot. I think with the, like putting out fires, there's so many different programs out there. Um, and there's this kind of this underappreciation or this expectation that they should be able to, um, do it all. And, um, and like other departments have tools. It's like, why can't we have tools for the parts managers to help them? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, one of those things where it, it's advanced a lot and I'm, there's a lot of new parts managers out there. Um, even, even the ones that have been in the business, they still need support, but the new ones out there, um, there's, there's more training available for them nowadays. And I think that, that, um, upper management's looking at that and not just expecting them to kind of learn or be trained by someone who was on their way out. Um, so yeah. <laughs> no, no, look, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think the, the last 24 months, the, the impact on, on the parts department, not only just the parts department, the parts manager. I mean, look, I, I had some really good parts managers. And I'll tell you what, what was really good about them was their ability to be able to almost kind of memorize 24 different things all simultaneously. Like, you know, they, they, they knew what fulfillment issues they were having. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they, they knew what special order problems they were having. All right. Um, they knew what obsolescence you know, parts issues. It, it was almost kind of embedded in their brain. Only, you know, that, that's the one cool thing I love about a good parts manager is that uh, I ask them something and they don't look it up. They know it. They know. <laughs> they yeah. just know I, it, I right? Think that's what a lot of people don't kind of understand <laughs> is there's like so much going on there out there, like in keeping track. It's not just as simple as ordering parts and managing people. There's just a lot going on. There is and, a lot. There's a lot of processes, right? There's a lot of processes and um, they're managing, what is it? The second most largest cash investment that the dealer makes. Exactly. Their job is very important. And, and I, a lot of them take it very seriously. I mean, as they should, but um, that they, they, they um, their inventory and their processes are like, you know, that's what they thrive. That's what they do. And a lot of them really enjoy it. <laughs> well, so. and, and you know what? It's fun. Like I, I, I consult with this one dealership, great parts manager. I go in there. He's got a 0.91% obsolescence level. I come in. I said, Mark, what's wrong? So I'm at 0.97. <laughs> well, do you? Just, I mean, just go grab it off the shelf. We can just write it off real quick. <laughs> we'll get, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, but, but, but that's, that's, but that's, that's, awesome. that's how their brain is working. And, and the funny thing is, but the impact of that now is because not only are we having to deal with what parts we do have on hand, but it's that part shortage and it's the timing of those parts. So like, I mean, when you look at it, look, service is relying on parts, new cars is relying on parts. All right. Some of these vehicles are coming in without parts on them and the manufacturer is guaranteeing that they're going to send the parts out later. 
right? So some of these cars are coming in, they're sitting on the lot. Yes, they're drivable, but some of the functionalities don't work until the parts come, right? Service wants to get those things booked in because that's another another revenue stream for them. But the parts department has to figure, like everything starts there and it all kind of feeds feeds its way out. And I just think the impact that it's the last 24 months of is, you know, some fast moving parts are not moving. They're not moving that fast anymore. Some of the ones that were fast moving parts, you can't order anymore. So you got to go find a different way to do it. It's just, there are, it's, it's a, it's a game of chess. All right. Of processes, parts, and people. All right. That has to be moved around on a very regular basis. And I just don't think we'd probably put enough emphasis on it. And the impact of just the last 24 months is huge. You know, service departments are having some of the best service service revenues that they've had in a long time mm-hmm. you know i i was doing my rounds you know just recently and it was you know february and i like well, normally in february we're talking about how we try to mitigate our losses and here we're actually going to like look i'm a hop we're good yeah. you know and it's like how are you doing that and it's just like because you got to be like on the t- on the spot with those parts something comes available you need to bring it in you got to bring service in you got to bring sales in guys i got 12 that's it what are we doing <laughs> yeah and just managing that process and like making sure everyone's communicating and on the same page of what's going on because the shortages are are really just really difficult to manage and deal with and um, I don't think if there's if they're not communicating correctly and everyone's not on the same page then there's going to be a lot of um, frustration from the customers so it's, it's uh, definitely going to be a frustration and it's just going to create kind of a bottleneck right so let's let's talk a little bit about opportunities right because, you know, we talked about what new parts managers, we talked about kind of the impact the last 24 months is, but let's talk about some opportunity because I think there's a lot of opportunities in fix ops and for dealers right now. Um, but it's just not a place to like, so many dealers right now are just staring out the window going, when will all the cars come? You know, and, and they just don't see that there's money sitting back, there's opportunities sitting back there, but they're all out front staring out the window waiting for those trucks to pull up with the inventory. Let's yeah. talk a little bit well, about some of those fact, opportunities. And and the fact that it's like everything's just kind of going really well. So we're exactly. not like focusing on like how can we support that, I guess. Um, so the opportunities really are just um, looking at the ways that you can support your parts manager um, and in your teams and how can they, how can they do? Cause they're probably just trying to survive the day to day. They're, probably not able to really identify ways that they can do things more efficiently or better because they're probably trying to survive (laughs) the day to day. And and a lot of times they don't have a lot of staff going. There's not a lot of staff right now. Um, I've talked to several parts managers that they're doing everything. They're the only person in the operation and it's not an operation that really should have just one person. Um, So the opportunities are looking for ways to support your your um, team so that you guys can can continue to succeed with this um this i wouldn't say it's an easy time but it's like this flow of like you know business is great but let's let's support that process so that we can keep it going does that make sense no (laughs) no it does it does it does right because like opportunities like this is just to create a better team right and you actually did talk about another opportunity actually recently we should touch a little bit on is actually going online. There's still yeah. a lot of piece, a lot, a lot of parts department out there that have not gone online. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we're just even talking about just overall wholesaling. So you have retail, you have wholesale, like this is a great time. All right. To focus on strategic growth within departments that maybe you just didn't spend as much time in. Look, we get it. Yeah. 
the new the, the sales side of the business sucks up a lot of your time and a lot of your energy. All right, and it's so a little you, bit more fun, right? Like who wants to like who thinks parts is fun? <laughs> Well, you know what? I I think parts is fun. I actually am. um, I'm building a couple of trucks right now, uh, overland trucks, a little rental business that I'm putting together. And so I have a rack on the back of the truck. I have a rooftop tent. I probably put here's now look, this is messed up, but there's truth behind this. All right. I just spent, I bought two pickups and I just spent probably over $10,000 in accessories for each one of these. So $20,000 in total in accessories. Not a single accessory was bought at a dealership. That's why? Bad. But yeah. why? Because it's not n- easy to find. <laughs> none of them said they could do it. Yeah. None of them say do it. I pulled up the other day. I had my truck out there. I go, oh, gee, you got the you got the eye camper rooftop. I said, yeah, I did rooftop tent. He goes, he goes, you know, I can order those for you. So no shit. I've only known you for seven years. I've never seen you do that. I've never seen a. I've never seen a piece of information. It's not on the but, website. It's none of that. Right? And we're not going to just be like, "Hey, parts buddy, um, can you order this for me?" Oftentimes, when we're thinking about this stuff, it's late at night, and we're just like browsing on our phones 100%. and like, "Hey, can I find this?" Because we're also trained to look things up and figure out where they where we can get it and what what's the fastest best way most affordable way we can get something. Okay. So. so you actually, okay. Now this is a good example. Let's talk a little bit about this. So I bought two 22, 2022 Nissan frontiers. Okay. So they're the new body style. I like the way they look. Uh, lease rates were great on them. Right. Bought both of them completely online, by the way, I'm actually picking the second one up tomorrow. I've never even test driven it. Um, but, but, but here's something interesting. So I needed that rack in the back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys ever seen it, it's like a big metal rack. It comes up and then it comes over the bed of it. So you can put stuff on top, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Nissan makes one. I couldn't order it online. Couldn't find a website. Could, couldn't find anywhere to let me order it online. So what did I do? I ordered aftermarket. Yeah. Nine, 10 o'clock at night. I, what was I going to do? Literally, what they said is I could submit a, I can submit a form. Get this. I can submit a form. I can give them my first name, last name, phone number, shoe size, birth uh, birth name, and uh, blood type, and then they could eventually get back to me. I'm not going to do that crap. Like, I want to do it now, mm-hmm. right? So the dealerships out there that are hearing this, how do you think, like, what are some of the strategies that we can kind of overcome this? Um, you can start looking at ways to sell parts online. There's plenty of um, opportunities and vendors out there that support that that process. Um, but like I mentioned before, you want to make sure that you're internally, um, able to support a new, it's essentially a new business, a new way of doing business. And you still have your other ways of doing business, but you have to add on that now, if you're wanting to start, um, exploring that option and see if it's going to work for you. Um, so yeah, just strategize, make sure that your team like buy-in, make sure your team is able to support it and that they're on board with, um, doing that and, and supporting the growth of, of implementing online sales. I, I think that every dealership should, um, be able to sell parts online. It's just, well, you know, it, it look, at this point in time, it's 2022, like get with the program. Yeah. Like it's amazing that I can't do it, but I have this archaic way to either call into the dealership and I call into the dealership first, I'm on hold. And then I get parts hold. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait to give this guy a few thousand bucks of my money, right? Like I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is great. You know, I would actually rather not even talk to someone on phone, but, but, but to your point though, we, and we'll get, and I think this is a good segue, right? Is mm-hmm. this, no, actually I want to, I'm going to drive this home because, right. 
Um, there are tons of aftermarket parts and accessory companies out there. But you know what they don't have? They don't have a database of three to 5,000 people that have done business with them already. Like, come on, parts departments, wake up. You know, like you literally, I mean, think about that's a marketing, like it's a marketing sales dream that you literally have three to 5,000 people that you can call up and say, hey, hey, you know that 2017 uh, F-150 you're driving? Yeah, I got some pretty cool stuff for it. Let's talk. Yeah, look, no one can do that. These other guys have to wait for people to show up with their vehicle, but they have, an, they have three to 5,000 people they can sell into right now. But you can't do it without people in process. And that's where we're going to go. That's our next segue, right? Because like I'm, what I'm saying is great. Three to 5,000 people I can sell parts and accessories into right this second. But if I don't have the right staff and I don't have the right processes, it's not going to go anywhere. So let's, little talk, let's talk a little bit about part staffing. Uh, because I got to be honest with you, I think the approach to staffing parts department is can you answer a phone? Great. Can you type? Okay. Here's a job. <laughs> but I think it's so much more than that, but I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah, there, it's so much more than that. I think, you know, the best thing to do is to outline what type of um, people you're looking for, you know, and, and, and then when you're looking for those people, those people will come and then creating that culture with, with your existing team so that people want to work for you. They're excited because they see how fun it is or the culture and everyone wants to feel like family, right? Like mm -hmm. we all want to be a part of something and, um, feel included and be a part of the family. So I think that's, um, what you have to work on creating and then the rest kind of falls into place and, and just outlining the, the, the specific duties of that, that role. Cause I, I do think, um, with a lot of dealerships, it's not really outlined and people, I don't know about, I mean, mostly in parts, but, um, everyone just kind of does everything <laughs> and, and it can tend to get a little messy. So making well, sure everyone really knows what their role is. What their, their roles are. Now let's talk a little bit about the roles. Cause I actually love the fact that you bring this up, right? Cause I think too often what we do is we hire, we build a parts department for service. Mm -hmm. That's it. We build yeah. an entire department and employ people to service one singular customer. That's true. And then if they're lucky, they'll sprinkle in some wholesale business, right? You know, and, and they may only have 30, 40, 50, maybe, may, maybe a few more than that, you know, wholesalers. But look, those people are calling them and say, hey, do you have this part? Can you give it to me? You know, but for anybody out there that is looking to strategically grow the business is that you need to be hiring for people that will maintain the business, but you need to be able to have... You know, I guess the foresight to push forward to hire people for strategic growth. All right. Mm -hmm. We just got done saying you have three to 5,000 people right now that you called them. They saw your name on a caller ID. They pick it up, right? There's three, 5,000 people there. If you just called them, you can actually build a business. The thing is we, right now we staff, we staff our parts department to just, just feed the service department. Let's just feed them. That's good enough. But there's so much more that can be done. But if we don't have a plan in place, we can't hire those people for growth as well. Yeah. And I don't want to go too far down the, the rabbit hole of this, but I think um, everyone should have a BDC for fixed ops. It's hell yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's something that's going to support that. Just what we we're talking about and having that customer service and having that, that ability to grow and, um, and support your, 
your, your, um, operation, your fixed stops, really parts and service. And, um, and then parts can grow other than just feeding service. They, they, they can be more than just, a the side, right? They don't need, they can be front and center, right? And I have seen, you know, it's funny though. I will have to say, I have to get crap the way dealerships have been constructed. Because for the longest time, the parts department was literally on the side of the building. Like it wasn't front and center. It's not, it's it's in the back, but it's not sometimes in the back. It's like in the back of the back. Yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. in the back on the side you of like the back. Like go through a maze to yeah, find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and there, there's a sign that's about yay big. It says parts on it. And that's it. And, yeah. you know, with a little counter and a window, it was someone who may or may not be there <laughs> with, with a phone. And they're always on the phone. Like, you, you, you can sit there and wait there forever. You're never going to get a chance to talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah. but right, staffing is one thing. Now, let's talk a little bit about staff development. Because, mm-hmm. again, what I'm seeing right now is things are a little bit slower right now in the sense, not slower in the sense of business. Because we're, we're, we're making money. The industry is making money right now. So we're not, we're not slow in the sense of business, but we're kind of slow in the sense that upper management can start looking at the players on the board, all right, and what we can do to develop out these players to become better players for us. But I'd love to kind of get your thoughts of, you know, how can a parts department kind of develop out their staff to become better players? I think um, training, offer them ways to learn more mm-hmm. i think that's going to give them the the ability that they're feeling like invested in you're investing in them to grow and learn the business and be better and i think that um that's like the number one thing you can do is just really um invest in your people invest in the ability for them to do their jobs better and um learn and it needs to i don't think it's like with the parts managers it can't be just one time you're a new parts manager here's some training like it needs to be ongoing and a support and develop a support system that supports them not just training but like invest in learning more about what they're doing have meetings um don't just let the parts manager just do their thing because that's what they've always done (laughs) No, but it's true though, right? Like you're never going to reach strategic growth unless you actually develop out your staff. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen, right? There, there, there's no um, uh, quick and easy button. There's no diet pill. There's not a pill I can take back to my parts manager and say, you know, what? I need you to step up your game and your strategic growth. Can you just go ahead and take this, please? Do it, just, yeah. just take this red um, pill. Take the red pill. We'll see where the rabbit hole goes. No, uh, <laughs> and that's the job of the upper management, right? Like as leaders, you have to encourage and um, inspire your team to to grow and do better. We all want to do a good job, and um, and I think that's that's really what it boils down to. Um, as leaders, we need to inspire and and invest in our people. Uh, no, <laughs> and don't give them a magic pill. <laughs> Yeah, no magic pills, guys. But but take the time, right? Like strategic growth doesn't just happen because you ask for it. <laughs> Hard work. <laughs> like it doesn't, right? Like, you know, that's the one thing. Like, um, we we, we hire parts managers uh, usually because of a couple things. A, because they're pretty good about managing people and processes, right? And then usually because they're organized, right? But how much time do we work the parts manager 
around their strategic growth. We usually stop at those two things. And we're like, eh, you know, look, he's managing his people and process well. And, you know, like, look at my, look at my obsolescence. I don't have, you know, I don't have old stuff sitting around. Our fast moving parts are fulfilled all the time. None of the technicians are complaining. Like, like we're good. We're good. But good's not good. You know, like if you're going to be great, you're going to take, like, there needs to be growth. You know, and, and if there isn't, then we got to take a look at how we're staffing and how we're developing our team, man. Look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation, but before we leave, I want to give you an opportunity yeah, to add a final thought because I know you have it. I can actually see it on your face. I see it there. Yeah. Well, I hope I didn't lose it. Darn it. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Go. (laughs) Um, yeah. So what I was going to add was, um, Oh, parts managers with their, with their types of personalities. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, um, I don't think it's in them to ask for that help. So I think as leaders, you have to identify, um, whether that, whether or not they need that help. And, and, and then it's okay that they, that they need help. It doesn't mean they can't do their job. It's just, um, you know, goes back to supporting them and identifying those opportunities so that they can grow and, um, setting goals and just really being the best operation that they can be. Cause good isn't just, you know, good's okay, but who wants to just be good? <laughs> exactly. Who just wants to be good? I'll tell you, anybody who's listening to or watching this podcast doesn't want to be good. They want to be great. Exactly. So, Kaylee, this has been a lot of fun. We've covered some pretty cool topics, but I still think there's a lot of meat on the bone here. And I think there's more discussion to be had around this. So for anybody out there that's watching and listening and uh, would like to connect with you, maybe even continue some of these conversations, well, what, what's, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, I'd have to say LinkedIn, um, connect with me that way. I'm constantly posting and engaging with people. Um, also, you know, if you just want to have a meeting or talk to me, I always have my email or, um, uh, you know, just call, (laughs) go to partsedge.com. That's how you can find me. I love how approachable you're awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Kaylee, for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.